Hello and welcome to the Region Agri podcast, the go-to place to hear everything related to regenerative agriculture. Region Agri is an initiative supporting farms, agribusinesses and the supply chain in their transition to regenerative approaches. We offer global capability with the aim of securing the health of the land and the wealth of those who live on it. For more information about our initiative and to find out more about how we can help you with your regenerative journey, please visit regionagri.org. I'm your host, Rose Riley, and once again, I'm excited to bring you the latest developments in the global phenomenon that is regenerative agriculture. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Rebecca Geraghty, Chief Commercial Officer at Agrimetrics, and Michele Bandici, CEO and founder of Smart Cloud Farming. Agrimetrics is a UK-based agri-food data marketplace, which has been enabling organisations in the food, farming and environmental sectors realise the hidden value in their data since 2014. Smart Cloud Farming began developing 3D AI mapping models in 2019, aiming to revolutionise soil intelligence and sustainable farming on local and global scales. Rebecca, Michele and I will discuss the role of data and technology in the transition to regenerative agriculture and how sector innovations are helping farmers optimise sustainable farm management and driving businesses in the supply chain to meet their environmental targets. Welcome to you both and thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thanks Rose, it's great to be here and thank you very much for the invitation. Hi Rose, thanks a lot, happy to be here. So to start, could you each give me a quick introduction to yourselves and and your organisations, starting with you Rebecca? Yeah, thanks, Rose. Uh, So I'm Rebecca Geraghty. I'm the Chief Commercial and Product Officer for Agrimetrics. uh, And we're one of the agri-tech centres established in 2016 with some funding from Innovate UK. And we've been working with a whole range of businesses in the food and the farming and the environmental sectors to help them realise the value in their data, to help people find data, to host data, and also to build uh, platforms and help with training as well. I came from a a 20 plus year career in the food and farming sector, been with Agrimetrics now for two years, and it's been fantastic to move into the data sphere, but also uh, seeing how much innovation uh, is going on and the role of startups as well. So really exciting uh, business to be part of. Thank you. And Mike? Yes. And hi, my name is uh, Mike, Michele Bandeki. I'm I'm one of the founders of uh, Smaklo Farming together with uh, Dylan, Dubravko and Marco. In Smart Farming, we create soil intelligence for the agribusiness and farming sector. And we basically deploy uh, deep neural networks and uh, use the scalability of remote sensing as uh, input data to create uh, 3D soil maps about soil organic carbon, soil texture, carbon, carbon stock. And we see soil intelligence uh, as a market uh, data that must be collected use with with confidence and we want to be the soil intelligence enabled for the success of the companies that go in that direction my background uh, it's um, basically plant biotechnology at the university of pisa and then i did a double master again in plant biotechnology and in um, management of innovation at the uh, wageningen uh, university in the netherlands I come from basically a strategy and sales procurement uh, management background, like career uh, in Italy from um, from cosmetic industry. And I founded like Smuckle Farming back in uh, 2000, uh, 2019 after one year of uh, kickoff uh, with the public fund from the German government. That's why we started there. So to get us started, I'm really interested to know, as businesses, what are your long-term ambitions in steering farmers um, and organisations to become more regenerative? 
So from uh, from our perspective at Agrimetrics, Rose, we were set up in 2016 with both public funding from Innovate UK and some commercial funding. And our whole ambition is about how do we help accelerate new innovations from both agri-food and environmental data. And we do that in several ways, helping people find data and host data and data uh, governance. Um, and so we have this real ambition to accelerate the sector and to help business you know, realize the value in their data. And that has also included helping build platforms for other people. And included in that is the regenerative agriculture platform that we built for Regen Agri, uh, which we both built and also continue to develop. So that's, you know, that has been our ambition to help stimulate uh, innovation in data uh, for our sector. For Smuggler Farming, we funded in 2019, uh, we aim to bring agronomy and AI together to revolutionize specialty soil intelligence and sustainable farming. We always say that you cannot uh, improve what you cannot measure. And so we wanted to measure, especially soil and scale fast and in a cost-effective way. And we want farmers and businesses to sustain and uh, improve the health of, of the planet. We make soil mappings and measurements simple from a complex world. And we do that by deploying advanced deep neural networks to measure and map soil organic carbon and carbon stock uh, with uh, yeah, staggering speed at scale. I'd like to get into the detail of the role of data and technology within regenerative farming. What do you each see as that role in aiding the transition to regenerative agriculture for farmers? I think it's a great question, Rose. I think from what we see with farmers and businesses in the supply chain, better data helps us make better decisions. And that's absolutely vital if we want to achieve whether it's our international or our national targets or the targets that we've perhaps set in businesses um, in terms of things like net zero. So helping farmers, helping businesses in the supply chain to measure and to understand where they are now, but also what can they then practically do to reduce um, their impacts and their emissions and also making sure that that continuous improvement, that regular monitoring is key. I guess from our experience as well, that many of the regenerative farming practices also help farmers and farm businesses save money, whether that's the use of things like organic fertilizers, the increasing the use of homegrown forage rather than buying in feed or things like rotational grazing. Not only do they help in terms of better farming practices and kind of impacting on the environment, but also are a win-win in terms of productivity and business resilience. Yes, data and technologies they play a fundamental role into for farmers, especially in the transition to regenerative farming. I just want to add something on top of that, that basically data and technology, they serve as also, um, in a way, a communication tool, because with uh, a data or with, uh, with an information that it's bring by technology adoptions in farming, we can also disseminate, basically. KPI and the reports and uh, the performances basically to other uh, actors, for example, policymaker, for example, the industry, for example, the consumer. In this way, we make uh, farming uh, known and we especially we make farming, good farming and good practices known to other people that they might not be an expert in farming, but they understand, for example, the CO2 equivalent, they understand certain parameters when we talking about biodiversity, of course, we have to find the data for this and we have to communicate that, but it's a, it's a fundamental and very good uh, 
step forward. I like that, Mike. I like that point that you make there about data also being a communications tool. I don't hear that very often. And I think that really resonates with what we can see businesses in the supply chain and farmers in terms of what everybody's looking for and the role that data plays, you know, that it is key to communication. Yes, yes, that's right. The challenge in the S is like beside, you know, what we know, the way to collect this data and analyze, process that and provide or produce a format to deliver that is also to understand going to be probably the topic for an additional question what's going to be the the agreed data or, or let's say parameters to measure because you need something that makes sense on a different kind of uh, stakeholders something that farmers can rely on something can policymakers understand something that for example you know the industry can uh, you know can make action upon that's a challenge there. That's wonderful. Thank you. This is probably quite a big question for you both, but um, I'm interested to know how you think data has progressed over the last 10 years within the field of regenerative agriculture and also where you see it going over the next 10 years or so. So in the last decades, we saw, let's say, the first layer, I call it, of data that was improved, like the acquisition layer. So we found uh, a lot of uh, basically tools to gather a lot of data. Talking about, of course, satellites, vital uh, activation for satellites of uh, tools that could record advanced images and uh, therefore provide farmers or stakeholders with uh, high-resolution real-time injury for the fields or practices they want to do that. And so the monitoring part and the, and the data input very much increased in the, last, in the last 10 years. And now I believe we are on a point in which we have to basically push towards the other uh, two layers that are basically the dissemination layers and the intelligence layer. So the challenge in the future is going to be definitely an analytics challenge. So being transformed basically the raw data into useful information and uh, therefore also going to uh, an integration of multiple data sources. Sometimes we have different kind of data format and how to integrate diverse data sources and include many data like satellites, climate models, genomic data as well. And uh, once you have that, how to communicate effectively to the, to the final consumer. So a kind of consumer empowerment that how to, you know, because I believe the consumer is going to play a major role in that and how to enable him to make uh, sustainable purchasing decisions. I think building on from your point there, Mike, I absolutely agree. You know, the focus has been on tools to measure where you are now. And I think also that we've also had a real focus on carbon, I think in particular, and also, you know, a recognition that the science is evolving. And so as we look forward to the next decade and your your question there, Rose, I think moving from the where are we now to also the how do we predict more? How do we use artificial intelligence to move from the measuring what we're doing now to predicting more? I think we're going to see kind of more innovation in that space. And that's where we're seeing a, a growth of the particularly of the, the, the startup sector. I think also, uh, as you pointed out, Mike, kind of the role of satellite imagery what we're also seeing is new sensors coming to market new companies making that more accessible i think is what we're also we'll, we'll see in the next um, 10 years 
I mentioned that focus from our perspective, we've seen a real focus on how do we look at carbon. I think also thinking about how do we measure, how do we use data to look at our impact on things like biodiversity and other emissions where food and farming, for example, have an impact like methane or ammonia. So kind of moving that on. What we also think we'll see more of is how do we um, make systems easier to use how do we make them easier for whether it's for a farmer or, or a business in the supply chain? So easier use, reducing duplication of data and increasing that interoperability of data from different tools and systems is a is something where we see a pain point, but also some new innovations coming as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. And on top of that as well, to be able actually to produce a product or service that it's very easy to use and therefore it's going to be used very often, sometimes you have these kind of challenges of you know, how much complex a certain system, certain models, certain like interface to be used, and therefore it is not used. Mike, as the world is really starting to understand both the uh, potential and the threats posed by AI, I'm interested to to hear your perspective on the role that AI can play, particularly AI mapping. Yeah, sure. Of course, that's a question that uh, everybody can ask to chat GTP in this and ask her what he thinks about AI. And we're going to have a fancy question out of that. But, uh, you know, what uh, OpenAI did, especially in the last year, it's like make, uh, make it clear that AI is here and here to stay and it's going to be affecting our lives in many, many ways. We have, in a way, the power to train that and to make them um, basically do something that could, can be useful for us. So in terms of data, the data that you're going to feed the our systems is going to be basically data in, data out. So whatever good or bad data, we're going to decide to build an algorithm from. That kind of algorithm is going to be good or bad, ethical way, these definitions. But um, the AI is going to do the impact that the, the internet did 20 years ago. And uh, I would say also the electricity did 100 years ago. It's gonna, we're going to have many systems that are going to do many operations in automatic. And it's going to be that, uh, do that independently. And uh, we start to see that in, uh, you know, with, uh, with the chat bot. And uh, we're going to be, we see that more and more with the application in, uh, in precision farming, especially I'm talking about satellites in which you have a lot of raw data in terms of satellite imagery, and we need to make sense of that. And we start basically to build an, a system, uh, an algorithm, an AI model to understand these pictures and provide basically as an output, a map, solid parameters that we can use. And, uh, and that looks pretty fascinating to me because it's exactly what we need. And um, Rebecca, have you got any other examples of, of agri-data collected and shared by Agrometrics and, and what's been achieved with it? Yeah, I mean, I think over the time that we've been working in the sector as Agrometrics, we have produced our data marketplace, which was launched in 2019. It now holds over 10,000 agricultural and environmental data sets for the UK. Many of them actually now open data assets as well. And so we're starting to see also where, for example, government can make more data available that's not confidential, that's not commercially sensitive, but actually where they can provide data into the market that can help other people.
people to make impact with their tools uh, as well. Um, kind of linking it back to your previous question about artificial intelligence, uh, I think I've got a, a, an example as well about um, how can we use data and how can we use some of the new uh, technology like AI to actually make things practical for perhaps for farmers or for the supply chain. And we were asked by BASF to help them produce a tool for farmers, make it really easy to use, but to help them to understand when it's safe to spray some of their oilseed rape uh, herbicides. And we pulled together a range of data from different sources. So from DEFRA, from the Environment Agency, a little bit of data from the farmer, but minimise that as much as possible. And then using an AI algorithm, um, help the farmer understand on these days for the next seven days, when is it going to be safe to spray um, oilseed rape herbicides? So that actually it's precise and it meets the need and it doesn't then end up in water courses. So I think actually making sure how we make more data available, how we reuse data and how we use some of the new technology to then put into practice something that's practical a business can use um, to help with their decision making. Brilliant, thank you. And at Agrimetrics, I understand you've got some data around cropping land use, some case studies there. I'm interested to know if you could explain what those are and, and how they tie in with what smart cloud farming is is aiming to achieve in terms of large scale soil profiling. So we have a small team of data scientists at Agrimetrics and part of some of the work that they've done is they've been looking at how can they use satellite imagery, so very large scale data, building algorithms to predict actually what crops are being grown earlier in the season and then also to have a look at actually how can we then start to predict the yield uh, as well. And again, that's using a range of very large data, training data. Uh, Mike talked about kind of training data and that importance of ground truth data to be able to start to predict um, what's happening uh, in the field earlier in the season. You know, we're really interested and keen to kind of think about new cases for how do we expand uh, that approach into other areas, perhaps other crops, other countries, uh, for example, as well. How can companies measure their environmental impact and benchmark how their businesses and products are delivering sustainable goals and then evidence progress? It's, um, it's a very interesting question. <laughs> and uh, from my point of view, I would say that it's very important for them to start by define, uh, I was saying before, define clear metrics. So clear define basically which are the environmental metrics that are relevant to the industry and you know operation. Might be many. And uh, for example, like carbon footprint is one, water usage, waste generation, biodiversity impact, you know, and um, it's, it's very important that actually once you to, to benchmark those against their industry or sector standard. So understand basically how they're doing compared to environmental performance against an industry benchmarks, the recognized standards. And then of course, utilize the technology and data analytics to basically collect, process, analyze the, the relevant data and uh, make them, uh, most of the time, we're talking about very complex production system or very complex ecosystem. So, you know, as Rebecca was saying before, it's where AI play a de definitely uh, an advantage in processing a very big chunk of data and makes a sense of them with uh, just one stream out or one parameter out that, you know, it's the one we're interested on. And uh, we can, with that, see baseline, see how we're performing against other industry players, and of course, identify which are the, the, the part of the production system, part of the ecosystem can be improved. 
Yeah, I agree with with all of that, Mike. I think, as you say, understanding where you are now is absolutely critical. And often as a business, nominating somebody to be the champion for doing that as well. I think that, you know, once you understand where you are, then actually, as you say, benchmarking yourself against others. And then what can you do to improve and taking a continuous improvement mindset? And if I think about Regen Agri as a tool, the farmers specifically and linking into kind of supply chain businesses, you know, that understanding where you are now and then getting some recommendations back about where can you improve is critical and then continuing to monitor it. And if you're a supply chain business, also having to think about not just what you're in control of, but what are your suppliers uh, emissions? And so you've got to kind of go down through your supply chain to understand uh, kind of scope uh, three emissions uh, as well. It's that mindset that you have within your business for championing that, but also that continuous improvement mindset as well. And ESG goals are driving technological innovation. Do you have any examples of corporate businesses currently on this journey and how they're using data and technology to be more regenerative? I think, you know, we've got some examples in the food and drink sector where um, some very large businesses have made some really tangible commitments to their ESG goals and also to regenerative farming. So if you look at Arla, who are a dairy cooperative, they are exploring regenerative practices with a whole number of their farmer businesses in their supply chain across multiple countries, really about understanding how can they improve, how can they measure their regenerative farming practices. You've got businesses like Nestle, who have a central pillar of their coffee sustainability that moved to more regenerative farming practices. And businesses like PepsiCo that have made a very large financial commitment, 216 million US dollars into um, a US regenerative program. So I think we're seeing a whole range of businesses really recognising the importance of regenerative agriculture, but also supporting their supply chain as well with that journey. Yeah, just a very great example, Rebecca. Definitely food and drink companies have, uh, you know, one side they have uh, the, the brand and, uh, and the scope in terms of size actually to make a huge difference and also to be the door opener for many, you know, smaller players that, um, of course, are a little bit uh, reluctant over you know, stepping in, in into this right now. And they can influence definitely a lot on um, and in years and how these goals are going to be achieved and especially how to drive the technology innovation in those directions to some members from the SBDI basically um, goal and it's like it's very very important to science-based target uh, initiatives which are companies taking actions and you see basically almost 4,000 uh, science-based targets with uh, more than six thousand companies taking actions. So I think it's a great, it's a great initiative that you have so many companies committing to this and they will need to step forward to their you know, corporate net zero. Brilliant, thank you. And data can be quite um, intimidating at times. So I'm interested to know how you make data and technology easy for farmers and agribusinesses to use. Perhaps I'll start with that one, Rose. You know, we farm at home and we're asked to use a whole range of different tools to capture data. And it can be quite intimidating just to get started sometimes. So I think, you know, one of the first things that I always recommend um, as people are developing tools and, and platforms and technologies is to think about actually how that ease of use 
So really think about the people that are going to be using it and how can you make it easy to use, but also how could you perhaps reuse existing data from elsewhere? And it comes back to that earlier point, we kind of talked about that interoperability. Actually, are there opportunities for you to link in with other tools and reuse existing data and permission that data um, across tools as well? But also, you know, think about the language that, that you're using and don't put barriers in front of people in terms of them just getting started. Um, so th- those would be some of the recommendations um, that I can see. But also very early on thinking about actually where can people get value back and value might be insight or really practical thing that what could I then change in my business where this data has helped me to make a decision and help me in my decision making on a day to day basis. I agree with that. To add something on top, I, I wanted to steer the conversation or at least the answer from uh, for this question into a bit more let's say business model and product point of view i i will say right now uh, the data and technology are being used by farmers either for if they really understand the necessity for for that and uh, if for example they need to do that in terms of compliance the european commission going in these directions especially next year in terms of carbon farming so uh, all the farmers are going to be eventually need to report activities they're doing uh, if they want to get um, a subsidy in that, in that directions or to apply to some uh, money compensation but uh, besides these initial examples i think it's important to make or, or communicate a product in, uh, in the data and technology space towards farming that is uh, it's easy to remember and has the benefit right at the beginning I want to cite an example, and it's, it's a famous uh, in business model and in marketing. It's, uh, it's the iPod, and everybody, of course, knows and knows what they represent. And iPod wasn't the first M3 uh, three players, you know? but it was the first one to make a fundamental switch from one gigabyte portable MP3 players. So putting a lot of technology, say, words in that gigabyte, how big is a gigabyte, I don't know. They switch from this description of a product into a thousand songs in your pocket. And that was when everybody understood what was it and what the service and the potential of something like that. I believe this is the way to make data and technology easy for pharmacy and business to use. And um, we're going that direction. So a lot of players trying to do different things and uh, you know fine tuning with that same technology is in different ways and eventually somebody's going to break this, I don't know what to call it, like a marketing communication uh, uh, wall. And then it's going to be adopted widely. That's going to be the the momentum change, I would say. I think also, uh, I guess one of the things we haven't talked about is also the human element of change and of adoption. Very important. Very important, yes. And I'd be interested, Mike, to get your view on this as well in a moment, because I think my experience of working in the food and farming sector is also the importance of people learning from others uh, and farmers and, and listening to what others have done and the hearing their journey to know where to start and to hear about where some of the challenges um, have been. And I think about what we did on the farm in terms of adopting things like rotational grazing. You know, we had to go and visit some of the farmers to really understand why they were doing that, what business benefit there was, to have the the confidence, I suppose, to adopt um, a new approach 
and it's the same I think when it comes to data and technology you know let's make sure that we're also creating the environment where people can learn from each other because that human to human learning is is absolutely critical to the adoption uh, as well but yeah Mike I'd be really interested in your perspective on that as well. I, I don't, yeah, definitely agree with you, Rebecca, on that. It's it's uh, fundamentally important. This think about you know what we're doing or what we used to do. Let's say before when smartphone were you know it started to be used by everybody, and you wanted to buy an uh, sorry an iPhone, a smartphone, and uh, you just don't don't buy one. What you do, you basically start to talk with you know your peers and your member of the family, your friends. What they're using, why they're using, go online and check the reviews, you know, like Samsung, this Apple, you do like Huawei, why did why one is better than the other one, and then you make a decision of a purchase of an eye on, on a smartphone that it's uh, it's some money and is you're not gonna buy that every month, you're not gonna buy that every year. You're probably gonna buy 40 smartphone top in your life, and in a way, farmers have the same numbers of season. You know, and they have the same, the same decisions into tools that are very expensive for them. But in a way, they are lacking, especially for new tools, this kind of peers to peers or objective reviews online. And therefore, the movement is lower. Thank you for that. Yeah, we find that knowledge sharing human element to be a, a very common theme on the Region Agri podcast. How do you make sure, speaking of the human element, how do you make sure with your stakeholders that data and insights from that data moves from farms up the supply chain to the the brands that they're supplying and from those brands onto the customer as well? From our perspective, Rose, we we help people to find data that they're looking for. Often it can be a blocker to them, perhaps on a project or them trying to measure what they're doing now. So that kind of availability of data through to helping people to host data that they've got through to helping build tools for people. But the training and governance around data is also critical. So again, some of those softer elements of how do you facilitate, how do you encourage the sharing, the confidence of using data as well? Yeah, I agree with you, Rebecca. I want to add something. It's, it's a very dynamic, you know, data and technology landscape. And, uh, you know, the key here is strong partnership, I would say, strong like connection that. And that like brings so a strong partnership or connection lies in clear communication expectation management as well. It's important to understand deeply uh, the real motivation for certain stakeholders actually to do a certain project or implement a certain activity or purchase a certain product and establish like a common channel communication with clear gatekeepers. Once you have everything clear, why they're doing something? Because it might not be that trivial once you know that, but many assumptions bring to a lot of mistakes. Once you have everything clear. I think absolutely, Mike. And I think also building on that, putting the user at the center of, of actually what you're trying to do. So making sure that you're thinking and working with your partner to be very user-centric in how yeah. you're developing your product and as well. Yeah, 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 indeed. We have an internal lure, especially for project management, because like I see that every time, you know, like a stakeholder says like, oh, we like also to have like a visualization method that we data. Of course, you're going to have that. If you say that, of course, you're going to have that. You implant actually uh, a seed of 
okay, this guy understands perfectly what they want, and I don't need any more clarification over the other stakeholder. So assume nothing and have a clear conversation with every individual expert on that. It might be taking a little bit more time and looks a little bit weird at the beginning, but it's guaranteed basically that you perfectly define what they want, so what's the real motivation, and as well the impact and the urgency of product and the service of the project that you that you're going to deliver. That's a great approach. Talking more about partnerships, how are Agrimetrics and Smart Cloud Farming working together in partnership and how do you see your, your partnership growing and evolving? So we are reaching different kind of um, stakeholders uh, in the sector, especially when we're doing certain projects that are far away from us. So we definitely need local knowledge and local actors to deal with certain operations. Uh, for us, it's very important actually to have a strong technology base and academic base, especially on, uh, on new tools that we develop. So we're talking AI and machine learning. We have basically uh, ongoing collaboration with the Institute for Artificial Intelligence Research and Development of Serbia, on which basically we are, we are pulling some of the best uh, machine learning engineers in Europe them new development of their new tools and new methodology for, for machine learning that can make better understanding of the few data in terms of soil. From our side, Rose, partnership and collaboration is absolutely critical to what we do at Agrimetrics. And, and it's part of why we were set up by Innovate UK is to, as I said, work with any business, um, make sure that we're sharing our knowledge and our expertise uh, as well, but also recognising where partnerships are critical for us, particularly from a technology perspective. So not trying to do everything ourselves, but finding the right partners to work with, keeping a focus as well on what we're good at. I think also, where can we work with businesses and organizations to develop things together over time and Regen Agri is a great example of that of how we've worked with the team at Regen Agri from the beginning and working together to grow something that is so impactful in terms of the numbers of farmers that are are taking part and, and how it's growing and that feeling of growth and collaboration is really important and positive. And I think the other um, area for, from our side is how we can also work with a really dynamic startup community that we can see, particularly in agri-tech. It's really exciting. It's very international. And actually to solve some of the challenges that we face uh, around climate change, actually it takes that innovation. It takes a true partnership and collaboration to make progress and to get that innovation stimulated. And so we're, we're always trying to work in partnership and collaboration. Thank you very much. And just as a by way of closing, I'm interested to know what advancements or trends you're most excited about over the next few years. Um, I think from our perspective, the use of artificial intelligence to, as I said uh, earlier, to move from kind of measuring where we are now to how do we predict and how do we make that more accessible and really show value back and also um, how do we link different tools and systems together, make them more interoperable and kind of reduce some of the pain points and some of the barriers that uh, businesses and, and, and individuals face. Brilliant. Mike? For me, definitely it's a current uh, trending topic. We started to use that before it was cool. Interoperability, uh, there's going to be something of 
huge value and I think it's going to be definitely very important. And all together, I think the, the real switch, the real, uh, I would say, advancement in the future is going to be when you connect these two to physical machinery. Once you're going to make all the remote sensing, all the data, all the analytics, all the machine learning embedded in a physical on the ground machine that can act upon this data, then you're gonna have a huge, huge improvement. You're gonna like jump 50 years in the future because you finally gonna have all the basically problem solved into one individual machine product that you can buy. As Rebecca was saying before, the problem, the challenge is indeed to combine different kind of expertise from different kind of people because everyone is focusing on something that it's uh, is their own domain. Therefore, collaboration is key because you're not gonna make one machine that can operate on these many uh, layers of uh, complexity out of one company. You need uh, many companies to come together. Brilliant, thank you. And Rebecca, how can people stay up to date with what's going on at Agrimetrics? If people are, um, want to get in touch, that would be fantastic. If you go to our website, agrimetrics.co.uk, you can find our contact details and also find out what we're working on. And just um, look us up on LinkedIn as well. And Mike, Smart Cloud Farming? Yeah, same for us. Please visit um, smartcloudfarming.com. You can uh, reach uh, reach out or just write an email to hello at uh, smartcloudfarming.com or follow us on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Region Agri podcast. Thank you for the invitation, Rose. Yeah, thank you, Rose. It was great to, to be part today. Thank you for joining me today for the Region Agri podcast. To learn more about agrimetrics and smart cloud farming, please find the relevant links in the show notes. If you would like to know more about how Region Agri can help you on your regenerative journey from advisory services and monitoring of on-farm data to regenerative certification and carbon verification, please visit regionagri.org. You can also check out our case studies and articles and gain access to our digital hub for free insight and advice via the Region Agri website. Alternatively, follow us on X or Instagram at regionagri underscore org or search for Region Agri on LinkedIn.